0: Hi everyone. I'm Dr. Jillian Murphy, a naturopath, speaker, educator, and coach. And this is Food Freedom Body Love, a podcast I put together to help you make peace with food, body image, and weight so you can kick your all-consuming, exhausting weight control food obsession habits and start living your best, healthiest life. Welcome back to Sessions. For those who are new to Sessions, this is my third series of one-on-one episodes where I'm talking with someone who is working through their issues with food and body. Sometimes sessions are with practitioners, but in this case, it's personal sessions. And we're working through issues with food and body. Um, We're talking about the struggles, the stuck points, and how to work our way through them. This series is a mini-series, so there are only four episodes, but what's kind of fun is that for the first time ever, I'm following up. We recorded the original sessions in the spring, and now we are, you know, four or five months later and we're following up to sort of say, how did you feel after that session? What did you take away with you? What are you working on? How are things going? Which I find really incredibly interesting. And we're kicking off today with a woman who began to explore an anti-diet, weight-inclusive approach to health in COVID. So she started the process on her own and she's finding herself coming up against blocks, especially during a period of time that's quite challenging when it comes to food and body. And we're focusing on fine tuning. So one of my favorite ways to fine tune intuitive eating is working with the internal regulator satiation. Most of the time we think about hunger and fullness when it comes to internal regulators. But in this case, we're going to sort of take a sharp turn um, and look at satiation, choosing food you enjoy, and allowing yourself to enjoy the food you choose, as well as a few other tools. And then the follow up is very, very, very interesting. So let's go.
1: I have a friend who uh, follows you on Facebook, and she's been promoting some of your ideas and I started watching noticing them around Christmas time and so I reached out to her and said could you send me some more information about some of these concepts so she sent me um, your website and I watched um, some YouTube videos the one that stood out the most was the five myth one the cool um, yeah I can't remember exactly what it was called but I remember the number five in it (laughs) and I started feeling like yeah this is all true, all this stuff. And as someone who's spent my life um, going up and down in weight and tried every diet and spent thousands of dollars, um I'm fifty three years old, and I'm ready to you know spend the rest of my life uh, maybe being a little bit more comfortable and eating more um intuitively as opposed to having, you know, that constant guilt. (laughs) It's been a, it's taken up a lot of my time and energy thinking about my weight and what I eat and what I'm gonna eat and I'm tired of it.
0: Yeah, it's so exhausting. So this is exciting. So this was like, for you, the first introduction to like health at every size and the anti-diet kind of weight neutral movement.
1: I have noticed it more and more in social media. Like I have I've noticed some different things in um, Instagram and Facebook and it's, it's been coming to my attention, but this is the first time that I've actually uh, really taken the time to read more and hear more and understand more.
0: Yeah. And so um, in terms of where you're at now, so you're introduced to the concept and you've been exploring it. What is, what is the next step for you or like where are you stuck at the moment in terms of, of um, where you want to go?
1: Well, initially when I saw started reading your material, I thought, yeah, I'm going to start doing that. And then I started to realize over the last month, it's really really hard. Yeah. So, I I was like, yeah, I'm going to start being aware of the food police and what I'm hearing in my mind about the what I should do and shouldn't do. And I'm going to stop um recording everything I put in my mouth on my fitness pal. And I'm going to stop um uh, making a rigid meal plan and only choosing things at the grocery store that are is good food. So I started to try to implement some of the ideas that, that I started to see. It's really, really hard.
0: Yeah. So the, what's hard for you, it sounds like is tapping into your body when there's this like constant external noise that's so hard to turn down. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right?
1: Yeah, it is. Also on top of that, I have gained 25 pounds through COVID. So every time I, you know, like it's getting to be time to, to, to change out of yoga pants to go to different events. And I'm like, Oh my. Right. So body,
0: right. So struggling with body. Yeah. And, and, um, the COVID weight gain. Uh, so you said that, that this idea of like approaching food differently started about a month ago. Mm-hmm. but the weight gain was that before that or during oh, yeah. this? yes okay 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 and what was going on with food through covid that so
1: i live alone and i um uh so i i cook for one and that and also i think the stress of covid um yeah. caused me to use food to soothe like I'm not someone who drinks alcohol or does drugs or uses any other sort of a substance to sort of numb out or soothe my emotion so I was doing a lot of sitting still in one place on the couch watching the news and eating a lot of food
0: got it got it mm-hmm. any attempts at restriction in there or like were you trying to control it or manage it or not so much or oh, you were
1: I, I, at one point I was like, Oh, I got to get a grip on this. And I did keto for 10 days. Okay. Uh, and, uh, what else have I done in that time? I've, I've sort of chatted with different friends. I've noticed different people are like back on weight watchers or certain people are trying different things. So I've been like, Oh, I got to do something. And have yeah. been talking like through the past year.
0: Yeah. But, but that, it didn't really stick 10 days. And then you're like, no. Yeah. Yeah, Got it. Got it. Um, yeah. Okay. And it, it, COVID has been challenging because I think that like, um, for people who are not internally regulated, who are regulated through external plans and being out of the house and being busy and not being around food and being occupied. Um, it's a challenging thing to all of a sudden find ourselves at home and realize like, oh, my relationship with food is maybe not as, not as okay as I thought it was.
1: Mm -hmm, For sure. Right. Okay.
0: So learning to tune into your body while also struggling with a body that has changed. And, um, I'm interested to know based on what you've read and what you've been playing around with, what have you been doing to, like, I know you said you're working on this and realizing it's hard. Like, what are the things that you've been working on or what have you been doing?
1: Um, mostly it's been, um, like thought processes. So when I start, like, I will open my eyes in the morning and before I'm very conscious and alert, those thoughts start going through my mind of, oh, what did I eat last night while I was watching TV? Oh, geez, that was bad. I lost control. And and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's the food police, Mm. you know? Yeah, And so then I'll be like, okay, so uh, not helpful to wake up to, you know, shaming and blaming myself. (laughs) So I'm trying to do some shifting of um, the thoughts. I have been a little more conscious as well when I'm grocery shopping that, no, you don't have to um, avoid that aisle or uh, only get the sugar free or whatever. Like put in your cart the food you want awesome so uh
0: yeah so you're playing around with like pushing those edges and exploring what it looks like to just say yes to things um when you shift the thoughts when the food police show up and you shift the thoughts what do you shift them to
1: um maybe i'll be like okay well let's um let's see what the weather looks like out there today let's um you know like Yeah, get off to maybe read something or write in my journal or something that's nothing to do with food. Right. Right.
0: Got it. And are you continuing to, um, like, are you continuing to learn about nutrition or, or trust based nutrition, trust led eating, um, So that you can actually challenge some of those thoughts like some of those that old programming that says you know oh no we have to micromanage this oh no we have to control this like are you continuing to learn about um different points of view or different perspectives on that like what are you are you reading things listening to things what does that look like
1: um uh, well, I have been downloading your podcasts Yay. and, uh, <laughs> and I've been, um, listening to them while I'm out walking. So I've been learning through those. Um, I haven't, I was thinking about getting a book maybe or something. I don't really, I'm not really sure what else to, uh, do like how else to learn more about it. Yeah,
0: no, that's a great, that's a really good, that's great. And so where would you say overall your relationship with food is at the moment? Like, um, just tell me about the things about your relationship with food that are going well right now and things that are maybe going or happening that you're not so happy about.
1: Okay. Um, so I've been, so I'm trying to switch to like be switch away from be good when it comes to food to, um, take the time to nourish yourself with things you like. Uh, so I, This week, for example, I cooked um, a a curry, a chicken curry early in the week, and a vegetarian chili, just because I prefer vegetarian, to be honest, and, um, you know, just to have that in my crock pot with the spices, making my kitchen smell nice, and, you know, so, but yet, I also got lime-flavored nacho chips to have alongside with the uh, chili, and, um I've been, you know, not so where I might not have done that in the past. Yeah. I love I, that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so so really starting to blur uh, those
0: edges of like what's good versus what's bad.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how's yeah. your physical,
0: how's your physical body been feeling?
1: Um, I'm actually, I'm actually really healthy. Like I've never really had much trouble as far as pain or, um, I don't, like I haven't been, I'm not on any medications. Haven't been diagnosed with any sort of, like I don't have any physical ailments. Um, I, I'm a pretty active person. Like because I'm, a, I live alone, and because it's COVID, my opportunities to spend time with friends are let's meet and walk, and yeah. then that's okay with everyone. So I do lots of walking dates. Yeah, <laughs> so that's great. Sometimes. Good for you yeah like most days yeah stress relief
0: connection movement all of the above
1: right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah for sure Mm -hmm. and now i do have a little space uh in my basement that has a yoga mat a few weights um some blocks like yoga blocks because i like to do yoga nidra uh, just for relaxation and i've um i've i have a couple little charts of some routines that are helpful now and as I'm working from home, my desk is right beside that. So <laughs> I sometimes will just like lay on my mat with my legs up the wall because that feels good to my body. And nice. I've, probably COVID has uh, brought me cl- more in touch with my body as a tool to calm my mind than I've ever had.
0: Oh, isn't that interesting? It sounds like your um, yeah, relationship with sort of like s- managing stress through your body and movement is quite positive. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 Yeah. and it also doesn't sound like there's anything incredibly negative happening when it comes to your relationship with food like it doesn't sound like there's overwhelming um binge eating or emotional eating or am I getting that wrong
1: um well I would say yeah I probably I probably do have a tendency toward binge eating in the evenings so like all day long things go well I have Meals with the right number of fruits and vegetables and protein and everything else. And then in the evening, when I'm, I some, when I feel like bored or lonely, I start, uh, well, I kind of laugh because I could always, in the morning, there'll be a stack of bowls because there's like a bowl that I had cereal in, a bowl that I had popcorn in, a bowl that I had, like, the bowls represent the evening of snacking. So I, I, i do have a hard time with um uh i don't know if i go so far as to say binging like it's not like i'm eating like a huge number of calories that is off the charts but um i probably there's times where my evening snacking is about the same amount of food as my meals were
0: yeah yeah and so there's a few things in there. That's really interesting, and I think that's probably where we should start, and then we can just see what comes out of this. Sure. Um, just in terms of like fine doing a little bit of fine tuning when it comes to this idea of trust based eating and understanding of like what we're working toward and where some of these behaviors come from, right? And so, okay. um, you know, the first thing to understand is that the first thing I always ask when I'm, when someone comes to me with like something that's bothering them with their eating, this is just generally speaking, you know, might be a little far along, but I think it's a great spot to start. I always ask the question or get the, get the person to ask the question, is there any part of this that's just really normal, you know? And, and so what I mean by that is like, is there anything about eating in the evening that could be really normal? And so A, yeah, everybody eats in the evening sometimes. You know, everybody gets to the end of the day sometimes and they just need to conk out with a little bit of food or it's just really fun to to sit and have food. And so that's a little bit normal. It's also potentially a normal reaction to not getting enough food during the day. So the other thing that I often suggest that people do is really take note of, like, if this is happening over and over and over again, because I sort of say, is there anything normal about this? So I would say the bottom line is that everybody eats in the evening sometime. And then the second question that I always get people to ask, is there anything that might be abnormal about this, you know? And so yeah, like, if it's happening every night for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it's not feeling very physically you know, good in your physical body, and you're like, you know, there's something about this that feels a little off, even though people do it sometimes, then I dig into like, so why might it be happening? So it might be happening... Um, like I said, because you're not getting quite enough food during the day. And I think that's always really important to explore because women in particular are conditioned to believe that they need so much less food than they sometimes do, most of the time do. And um, also particularly with this whole like carb craze of the past five to 10 years, um, even when, when women are eating enough food, sometimes they're not eating enough carbohydrate. And so essentially you get to the end of the day and your body is just like pushing to fill in those gaps, right? And it's like, you're not busy enough, occupied enough to resist anymore. And so that happens. The other thing that I, that is possible is that there's a tiny bit of reactivity to some light ongoing restriction that's happening. And so like, this is fine tuning. Cause again, I feel like you have really beautifully taken on some of this information and started to like implement it and coach yourself through tough moments. Like this is, I, I would like to give you some kudos or some credit here. And I'd like you to give yourself some credit in, it is hard and you are doing a really good job of it. But in terms of fine tuning, so one of the things that I heard in your voice and it's so, or in your words was, um, it goes really well. Everything's really good through the day. And so I always want to poke into that. Like, what does good mean? Does that mean you ate the right amount of food that you ate the right kinds of foods that you, you know, because it's interesting how, even when we think we are in permission, how we do still have these like Faint lines in the sand that we have drawn, and like what the day should look like, or what our food should look like. And from this trust-based eating perspective, what we know is the moment there's like a line in the sand, there's something that you don't want to cross over. And the moment you have, it's like pfft, all bets are off, you know. Or the moment there's a line in the sand, there's something to push up against. There's something to to resist or react to. And you know, binge eating is by definition in this work, just a reaction to some sort of restriction or some perceived rule that we have, right? On a really deep level. So when I say that, is there anything like when you, when you think about? it, I mean, I could be getting it wrong, but like, um, when you talk about the day going well, what does that mean for you? Like the day went well.
1: So you're absolutely right. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing the things that I've been taught right or wrong uh are what i'm supposed to be doing maybe like what the canada health food guide says or canada food guide says i should be doing what weight watcher says i should be doing like that i am you know i am choosing the right kinds of foods (laughs) and combining them at the right times for my body to be healthy
0: right right and so that's like you know, your brain is still very much in charge and your brain is like, I approve, I approve, I approve. And so, um, you know, what you are talking about is this really tough transitional moment when we want to sink deeper into trust-based eating, where we need to stop relying on our mind so much and start to turn down that external noise so that we can just listen to our body. And so, um, just a bit of a recap you 've probably heard me talk about this on the podcast before, but just because we haven 't worked together, you know we have three internal regulators: we have hunger, we have fullness, and we have satiation and hunger is just basically attending to that that feeling that physiological feeling that we have in our stomach that's like, I'm hungry. Sometimes we feel it not in our stomach. We feel it as headaches. Sometimes we feel it as mood changes, drops in energy. There's like lots of different ways that we can um, feel hunger. Fullness is obviously that feeling of like, my stomach is full of food and there's no more room left. Satiation is interesting because you know, it, it overrides fullness in that it's about when you feel done with a meal. Like, not just full, but done. And so the way I sometimes differentiate that is like, um, you know, you could eat the right number of calories of apples, for instance, to like bulk up your stomach and ma- and give you enough energy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you feel done. Like, you probably don't feel fully satisfied. You're like, oh, I need some fat. I need some protein. I need something, you know, more substantial to feel done with my eating for the meal or the day. So um You know, hunger is about being in tune with our body when it's asking for food. Fullness is about being in tune when our body says, I'm done. I don't need any more food. And satiation is really about like, do you allow yourself to truly choose the foods all times of the day that you enjoy and that you really want? And then do you allow yourself to enjoy those foods? So when I talk about those three internal regulators, um, is there one or any of the above that you feel like you're really struggling with at the moment?
1: Um, I would say I know what hungry feels like and I know like I don't just let that go like I don't get hungry and ignore that when I'm hungry I eat. Um, When I (laughs) probably so so fullness I guess is I don't need any more food. And then there's, with satiation, I probably don't allow myself that. Got it.
0: And so that, and that is usually like, that is, that's where I would have jumped probably in listening to you describe this is that if I had to give you like a next step with your eating, it's working on satiation because it's such a good fine tuner and it really starts to highlight other places where we're stuck. Um, It's interesting I I usually start with hunger and really make sure people are like aware of their hunger and feeding themselves consistently and not letting that go because it's such a powerful biological driver that when we're not listening to it, it's hard to separate out what's going on, right? So if you're taking care of that, awesome. Fullness is a weirdo one where almost all of the time, it just clears up when hunger and satiation are attended to. Not always, but most of the time. So I usually just leave that alone. I love working with satiation because it is such a powerful regulator of our appetite. It's such a powerful regulator of like varieties of foods and quantity of food. Um, And so it really is a highly overlooked like hub of intuitive eating, like fundamental foundation of intuitive eating. So that is totally where I would have jumped as well. So the goal, the task with satiation is to choose the foods you enjoy And then enjoy the foods that you choose. So let's start with choosing the foods you enjoy. It sounds like you're already playing around with that at the grocery store. So you're playing around with going down different aisles and choosing. And are you keeping like a fairly wide range of foods in your home? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I still restrict. Like I have a treat cupboard, and I don't put it. The only thing I put in it would be. Um, it's so, this is another interesting thing. If I know that my kids are going to be here or my friends are going to be here, I'll stock up on treats and desserts and that kind of stuff. If I'm myself, I don't buy those things.
0: Okay. So that's what we're going to do. So this is the next step. And it's not that, you know, um, you have to eat everything. It's what we're working toward is you having the competence to live in the same house with those foods (laughs) without them holding power over you. Right. And there's no easy way through this except to just do it. This is where it goes from like theoretical to experiential. So the idea would be that you, you genuinely Absolutely, you go to the grocery store and you let yourself choose. And it could be a bit wild because this might be one of the first times you've done it. You know, the first few times you do this could be a bit wild. Let it be a bit wild, you know. Make some room for it, accommodate for it, invest in it as an investment in regulating your relationship with food. Buy all the things you want and have, you know, you don't have to buy the whole grocery store out, but have like a wide range, I always say, of like tastes and textures, like knowing that. Um, you know, making sure you have some crunchy things and salty things and sweet things and fresh things and frozen things and, you know, like having a wide range so that at every meal, and I would say it's sometimes helpful for people to think about putting a time frame on this because if they think about just doing it indefinitely, it feels a bit too scary. So I would say do it for like two or three weeks. Give yourself a good chunk of time where every time you grocery shop, you make sure, in addition to like the regular planning that you do, you just make sure that you are bending and breaking all of the rules in your mind for like what meals have to be and what snacks have to be and making sure that you have lots of options. Think about, you know, when you're planning that grocery list, what are things that have just caught your attention over the course of the week in magazines, online, on social media? Was it pasta? Was it a creamy crème brûlée dessert? Was it a cookie? Was it a salad? Was it a... Making sure you've got a wide range of foods in your home for the week. And then once you're well-stocked, at every meal, you do your best, it's not going to be perfect, to ask yourself, what do I really feel like eating? And you allow yourself to eat it. And so this might mean, you know, for breakfast, having bagels in the freezer and and bread in the freezer and having oatmeal and having pancake mix ready to go and having yogurt and having a, like several options, you know, you can play around with that, especially if there's a food that's a little off limits, you know, like if the bagel is off limits, put those bagels in the freezer. And I just say the freezer because you live alone, you know, like right. if you lived yep. with lots of people, I'd be like, you know, don't worry about it. But I think when people live alone, they worry about food waste, right? Especially when yeah. asking them to buy like double what they normally would buy or whatever.
1: Right. So what's coming to mind as you describe all of this is so at Christmas time, I was having people here so I baked and I had like we did a big Mexican buffet so I had all kinds of yummy food. Way over eight. Like I ate so many. I I made some of those peanut butter balls coated in chocolate. I ate so many of them that I couldn't stand peanut butter for the month of January. It just made me sick because I ate so many of those. So then I think, oh, what's gonna happen if I just buy whatever I want for two or three weeks? Am I gonna do what I did at Christmas?
0: Well, yeah, that's definitely a concern, and that sometimes happens. Like so first the first thing i'll say is even when people are really competent with food like even when people are quite internally led and good intuitive eaters when we get in the presence of food that we don't get to eat very often and it's a bit of a novelty and it's fun and it's delicious it's not unusual or uncommon to potentially overeat but again that idea of like norm what's normal about that and what's abnormal so there's a bit of it that's normal it is ab generally speaking abnormal for a human to continue to want to eat to a point of physical discomfort and distress over and over again. And if that is happening, even when the food is yummy and new and whatever, most internally led eaters start to find an end point or or, or become less interested or excited about that. And they start to go like, okay, I think I've had enough. So if it continues, it's typically because there's restriction happening in the mind. So even though you're letting the food in the house, you're letting the food on the table, there's this like, starting Monday, I'm not gonna do this anymore. Starting you know, tomorrow morning, I'm gonna cut this food out. Starting January 1st, this isn't ever gonna happen again. And it's the restriction that fuels the reaction or that fuels the going past full and overdoing it over and over and over again. And so what we're doing with this exercise is we're pulling that out of the woodwork a bit. Like, I'm basically putting you in a situation to see, can you, first of all, allow yourself to choose, step one. Can you allow yourself to choose those foods and let them in your house, step one. Step two, which we'll talk about in a minute, is actually allow yourself to enjoy the food. Because that's when we start to let go of the restriction, not just on a physical level, but on an emotional level. And when that happens, we are free to start making decisions. When we allow all foods, fully allow all foods, we become in a more neutral objective place to actually start making decisions. Is that a super easy road? Not always. Oftentimes there's some bumps of like, I let go of control and the pendulum swung the other way and I ate everything and I felt bad and I didn't like it. And then, we talk about, we, you know, you keep track of what was going through your mind and we learn how to challenge those things. And it's like, you know, we're, you're relearning how to eat and it's, there's the potential for it to be a bit messy and a bit bumpy, but the only way to do it is to, to do it, you know, and some people figure it out fairly quickly and they, they're willing to trust their body and they're willing to trust that they're not just going to eat endlessly until the end of time, that they will find a point where like, oh. I actually can eat this forever. I really am going to allow myself to eat whatever I want, whenever I want. I don't need to keep rebelling against anything because there's nothing to rebel against, you know, like there's nothing to react to here. But if not, if it does get a bit bumpy, then what that typically does in this work is it tells us like, okay, what's the next step? So what do we need to work on next? What's the next reframe? How do we let go of those restrictive thoughts a little more? How do we let go of the rules in your head a little more? That's the process, right? The process mm-hmm. is how do we work toward letting go of control and then you know the pendulum swings and you, you go for it and then you just trust and you let it swing out as opposed to wanting to catch control back on the other side and start mm-hmm. the cycle all over again. So um, it's a bit hard to tell what exactly will happen, but it wouldn't be unusual for you to do some overeating or to ha- or to be having to find your edges or your limits, right? Um, so to allow for that and to keep doing what you've already been doing, which is coaching yourself through the thoughts and reframing, you know, so, um, you know, you're, you know, I don't know, let's say for example, it's breakfast and you really feel like having a bagel. And so you allow yourself to go to the, to the fridge or the freezer or wherever you have the bagel and pop it in the toaster. And then the thoughts start, how many carbs are in this? How many calories are in this? Should I be eating bread? Bread isn't enough, blah, 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 blah. And it's just a process of like stopping the thoughts and challenging the thoughts. And so the reason I asked, you know, are you continuing to educate yourself about this stuff. Cause I think that we really have to, um, my podcasts are great. Ellen Satter's work is great. The intuitive eating work is great. Like really starting to look at food through a new lens so we can break down these rules that we've learned. Um, until then, what I often suggest to people is that you just come up with like a standard, um, something that feels really true and real for you kind of mantra to challenge those thoughts with, which could be something as simple as like, I don't know why this food rule I have around bagels isn't true. All I know is that it hasn't, it hasn't helped me in the past. You know, having these thoughts about food, these judgments, these right or wrong, good or bad lines in the sand haven't led me down the right path to date. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to turn down the noise on that. I'm going to turn down the volume on that thought and I'm just going to listen to my body. And what my body's saying right now is it's hungry and it wants a bagel. And then you just sit down and you eat the bagel. And you know, the, the small caveats to this process is that I ask people to eat relatively mindfully and let's circle back to that in a minute. I ask people to eat relatively mindfully and like, you know, ideally sitting down breathing a little bit and that you just check in with yourself as you go and you collect information like you are a scientist or an anthropologist collecting data. So you're not putting judgments on it. You're just like, does this bagel taste good? Am I enjoying it? When am I full? Do I keep eating after I'm full? Interesting. Like it's literally just data collection. Like you're outside of yourself watching the process. Right. And then you move on. And, and again, there's no, um, I can't predict exactly what will happen, but what in this work, the way that it usually goes is however it happens, however it plays out, gives me information about the next step. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll just say um, that that process of stopping the thought and like mentally acknowledging what the thought is and then you know, that it hasn't worked for you before and that you're going to, you know, just like literally saying the words, I am turning down the volume on this thought because it is unhelpful and I'm going to tune into my body. And then you actually ask your body, you know, how are you feeling? What do you want? This is the process of like building the muscle to be able to listen to your body. And so at first it feels messy and it feels like you don't hear anything and you don't know, and you don't know what's going on and it feels all weird, but it gets easier and it gets better the longer you do it. So it's like, you know, I often describe it as like handwriting, you know? And when we were really little kids, we, you know, we gripped a pen with our whole fist and the writing was big and wild and all over the place. And as we practice, we get better and we, and we develop strength and skill in those fine, those more fine, small muscles. And we get better and we're more fine tuned and we can make better marks. And it's the same with this. You'll be able to make more finely tuned decisions as you go. At the beginning, they might be like, want, ugh, too full, don't like, (laughs) you know? And then the more you practice it. So it's really just this mental marathon of like allowing yourself to choose the things you want and then noticing all the things that get in the way of you just enjoying the darn food that you chose, right?
1: Do you um, record it in a journal or anything? That's a
0: great thing to do. Not everyone is into journaling, but if you are, if if you want to get away from, I mean, that's a great redirect. If you're trying to get away from like logging food is instead to log, like how food feels in your body, you know, and, and um, what's happening. Just, just try to really work very hard to stay neutral in your language. Right. And not, not to place too many judgments on things. And so, just to circle back to the mindful eating thing, because I think it always bears a it, it deserves a bit of a conversation because when it comes to this whole trust based eating versus control based eating, there are so many words that are really loaded, like health, <laughs> nutrition, nourish, you know, like there's so many things that get wrapped up in like the right way to do it. Moderation is a huge one, so loaded with with diet culture thoughts, right? And and rules. Um, but mindfulness is one of them as well, right? And so um, often the term mindful eating has been co-opted into like, if you just paid attention and if you just were intuitive and you were mindful and present, you would always eat the right thing and you would eat less. That
1: tends yeah, to be- Yeah, eat at the table, use yeah. your silverware- Yeah. Yeah. Chew slowly.
0: Right. And so I always say like, I do think that we should pay some attention to food when we're eating it. I by no means think that everyone needs to be a perfectly present eater. My opinion is like, we're not perfectly present at anything that we do. (laughs) Why would we be a perfectly present eater? But I do think that like through this process in particular, as we're redeveloping or refinding the skill and, and, and building the muscles, I think that we could put a little bit more energy and effort into paying attention and being present because it just helps us understand what's going on. And then it's like, as we get better at this skill, as with any skill, we can start putting a little less effort and energy into it. And we can like break the rules a little sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, But when we're in these initial phases, it's really challenging. Um, And it's often a cop out, I don't know if that's really the right word, But it can be very challenging. It can be fraught with some really tough feelings to just eat some of these foods. And so it can be like a coping mechanism to just check out. And so, um, you know, just you don't have to be perfect at it. But even if it's just moments of attention before you eat, a moment while you're eating, a reflective moment afterward, if you happen to forget, to do it any other time, you know, where you're just tuning into your body and being like, hey, how was that? How did that go? What was that experience like? What was good about it? What was hard about it? Um, And then that tends to, um, you know, you'd probably wanna keep working with someone for a few sessions because you would want someone to then be be able to help you break down that information. But maybe it will go beautifully. Like maybe you'll try it. It happens where people are just like, oh, it was great. It was not a problem at all. It just felt so freeing and fun to be able to do it and fell into this routine really easily. But if it is hard, then you would just want someone to help you work through. What is it? Where are you still getting stuck? What's tripping you up? Is it about health? Is it about weight? Is it about self-trust? Is it about your changing body, right? Because the other big link, which I'm I'm sure you've picked up on based on the amount of, um, work that you've done in this area and listening to podcasts, but the, the really huge link in all of this work is that, you know, it's the way we feel about our body that fuels the challenges that we have with food, which, or, or, or that encourages us to use food in a certain way that then results in food challenges. Right. And everyone thinks that You know, it's all these negative food behaviors that they're engaged in. That's the problem. But they don't realize like, oh no, this tracks all the way back to how I feel about my body and why I got on this train in the first place. Right?
1: I know. I I would just do anything to get off the train. I'm just like, I don't even care like what size I am. I'm tired of feeling guilty and worried and obsessed and planning and plotting. And like, I am sick of it. I'm 53. I know. <laughs> like, I know I've been doing this since I was 12.
0: I love it. I love it. And so, I mean, what you could do in parallel with this, like choosing foods you enjoy and enjoying the foods you choose is parallel, you know, start working toward taking focus off your body as like an object that defines your worth and value and health. <laughs> and, and, and attempting to make your body something and start to enjoy the experience of life in your body. So refocus the attention there as well and make it how can I enjoy today in my body? What would feel really good? What would be really fun? What do I need Cause some, some self-care things aren't that fun, you know, that we have to do, but like, what would just, what do I need in order to feel good in my body today? Right. And start to just baby step toward just enjoying your body and do the exact same thought stopping process that we're talking about with the, with the challenging food thoughts, do the same thing with your body. When you start to notice a thought that comes up that tells you why you shouldn't be able to enjoy your body or why you shouldn't be able to, you stop the thought and you challenge it, even if the challenge is just like, this doesn't serve me.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is
0: not helpful.
1: I know a time that I I am not, not comfortable with my body, because my body is much larger than it once was. Um, I really like yoga, and I find I, there's certain poses I can't do, because I just have too much belly and boobs to get into that pose. And then I feel like, oh, maybe I should do something about this, because I can't... Or, you know, or I'll like be tying up my boots and think, ugh, there shouldn't be quite as much effort as it is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say too, like there are some moments when I talk about the thought stopping process, I think it's easy to feel like I'm saying it's somehow easy. Not that you're saying that, but I do think it's worth noting that there are moments where, you know, when we stop the thought and we challenge it, there might actually be some things that are really true in the thought. Like this is harder or this is different. Um, But you know, our bodies change. That is just true of life. They, They change size, they age, things get harder. And I don't know where your body will be a year from now or two years from now. And five years from now, all I know is that every day, all we can do is work with the body that we have right? And sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes the world makes it really hard. Like if it's hard to find clothes that feel good on your body, if it's hard to sit in chairs, if you feel like, you know, there are things that are well beyond just our changing our perspective. But I do think that we can work on our perspective, even amidst working to change those greater systems and 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 like acknowledging that it is hard when our body changes to learn how to care for it again and to live in it again and um, as someone who had, has had kids, I definitely went through this post babies. I know people who've gone through this post injury or accident or after having developed um, a chronic illness. Like, there are a number of, like, going through perimenopause, like, there are a number of, you know, going through depression or anxiety and maybe having to go on medication. Like, there are a number of life events that can lead to the experience of living in our body being different. And that always feels hard and it always feels challenging. And so for me, again, it's about going back to this idea of like, what is the most compassionate, kind and actually healthful effort that I could put into existing in my body today. And so that might look like just getting some dang blocks for yoga. (laughs) so that you can do the things you need to do you know and um accommodating and allowing that to be okay you know like i um you know i don't know personal examples are always helpful but like just even crossing the threshold from 40 like there's there's things that are I haven't gone for a massage. A massage is something like to do the kind of exercise that I like to do and the amount I like to do it. I generally have to go fairly regularly and I haven't in a couple months and my back went out this week and it's frustrating. It's annoying to exist in a body that needs so much extra care and attention all the time it's just the reality of it. It's just the reality of my body. You know, like I, I can't do the things I used to do and, and the things I do do, I have to be more cautious. I have to stretch more. I have to foam roll. I have to get massages. I have to take care of this body because it's getting older. I had to change the way that I worked with my body when I did also put on weight. Right. So it's aging, it's weight, it's, you know, all of these other things that I've mentioned that can affect our experience. So, um, I think mostly just not demonizing it too much and instead just thinking about how can I approach this with compassion and kindness and how can I put effort in, in a healthy way. And so to me, a healthy effort is like, how do I work with my body instead of fighting it and trying to make it smaller and change it? Does that resonate? Yeah. Does it feel doable? Yeah. Yeah. So that would be, I mean, I think those are, those are like huge places to start, right? Choosing food you enjoy, working to enjoy the food you choose. And then simultaneously, you know, just every day asking that question, what could I do to enjoy the body I'm in today? What could I do to approach the body that I have today with kindness and compassion and care and work with it? In our follow-up, things get interesting because Kathy hit a bump in the road. She got an injury. She developed plantar fasciitis and it resulted in difficulty moving, a lot of self-blame and shame and getting derailed in this process that she was feeling pretty amazing about. So listen in as we talk through it and figure out next steps.
1: to say that your message resonates with me and I know you're right like I feel and especially like when I talk to you I think yeah that's that makes sense like intuitively I've always sort of known that those things are true and I have to say after the last session um some of the gains I made would be that like it used to be I would wake up in the morning and I would panic thinking about anything I did wrong with eating the day before and that's kind of gone Like I don't wake up and obsess about that. So that's really helpful. Awesome. Um, And another thing I did was that I bought attractive clothes that fit me instead of squeezing into things. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you always feel better when you kind of go out in the world with, you know, underwear that are solid and your your dress looks pretty and is flattering. So that's a nice thing. Solid underwear. That sounded like a terrible description. (laughs) But anyway, you know what I I mean? mean. They are. I love it. They fit. Um, I, I would say in the time since I've seen or talked to you last, I'm probably more aware of unhealthy messaging that I see in the media. And I was really, really pleased. I think I shared with you in an email to see that Pinterest banned weight loss advertising. is that great? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Because. I really see, like, oh, sorry, we're ready. We're interrupting
0: each other, but like, okay, I, I was just going to say. I, and I know several other people that had to take a break from Pinterest because it was so rampant. It just never ended, the diet messaging. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like in general, everyone's ready for this new message. I wish it was further along. (laughs) But uh, anyway, but what I noticed when I messaged you last week, I was like, oh, I don't know if you really want to interview me because like my weight at an all-time high i'm feeling really a bit defeated about it and i've noticed that when i'm down or tired my weight bothers me
0: (laughs) oh this is interesting and i want to say like i you know and what i was trying to express to you and i'm so thankful that you came back is that all of the parts of this journey are really important and i personally feel like you know one session was never going to fix it all i mean i'm just i just finished recording a podcast episode about um, my experience on holiday, I've been doing this work for 10 years, old programming wants to pop up and I think you just hit the nail on the head that when we're still relatively new at it, there are some pre- predictable moments when bad body feelings are going to pop up and like, you know, when you're tired, when you feel run down, you know, I always say when, our, when it's possible that our self-care is actually lacking, we as women have been taught to direct that bad feeling at our body because we've sort of been taught like the one thing that we should be able to fix is our weight. So if you're feeling bad in your body, you know, don't consider why do I feel run down? (laughs) Why do I feel depleted? Why do I feel yucky? Instead, we're taught just focus on weight, get that weight down, get that perfect body and everything in your life will be so much easier. And I think it's a really tricky spot to find yourself in when you're like, I know that that's not true for me anymore, but I don't know what to do with this awful, this yucky, awful feeling.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Probably some of the setbacks I've had since I talked to you last, I think I told you in our, um, in my email that I've got plantar fasciitis so it's really hard to move joyously when your foot really really hurts and then you read online people like oh it's because you've gained weight and you're overloading your plantar fascia and then I feel like oh I did this to myself and I can't even walk anymore blah 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 so the plantar fasciitis was one thing and then the other thing I think I shared is that I've taken a little shot at online dating and uh, uh there's a lot of profiles like there's a lot of men who are saying looking for a slim fit woman you know like and you're like oh uh, maybe I'm not marketable because of my weight that's yeah. a little hard to take <laughs> yeah. so I got a few little things swirling around my mind that are working against me a bit
0: well I'll say there's three things that I just want to say here and I hope I don't forget them you know when you you have like yep. your are roll <laughs> Go ahead. Um, So the first thing I'll say is that one of the things that you said just a couple of minutes ago is that, you know, when we're talking and connecting, you're like, this resonates. It makes sense. Um, I just want to suggest that it's possible at some point in the future, you might need to work with someone like me who can hold the energy and the space for you for a bit longer until you're strong enough to do it for yourself, right? Like it's, This is really common early in the work for people to feel like I do feel good about this. I feel especially good when we're talking and then I leave and two days later, I'm like, what was all of that again? Uh, How did I forget everything? So that's the first thing is sometimes we just need a bit of help to get through until, until we're ready to hold, until we've built that muscle so that we're strong enough to do it on our own. The second thing that's really interesting in what you said is with the plantar fasciitis. I think when it comes to any kind of health issue um to just remember that thin people get it too and so it's really easy and very unhelpful to put all the blame on weight because you know i was a runner for very 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 many years and at all different shapes and sizes i had plantar fasciitis and so did the people that i ran with so um just to just to say that it's we want to focus on healing up the plantar fasciitis, not focusing on blaming the weight, right? Because whether that's actually true or not is up for discussion. <laughs> and even if it were, we still need to heal it up, you know, and and um and then the third thing that I wanted to say is that um Oh, I did it. I forgot it. Oh, dating. Dating was the third thing. So mm-hmm. it's always hard for me, you know, because I I'm married and have been with the same human being since I was 21 years old, but I do rely quite heavily on those that I work with and social media accounts and other podcasts to really provide evidence to the fact that people of all shapes and sizes are out there dating and dating successfully. Does that mean that there won't be blips? And does that mean that weight won't be a part of it? Sure absolutely but i think that you know if there was um two tips i would say that when it comes to the plantar fasciitis really you know look working to heal up that plantar fasciitis while simultaneously finding ways to move that are comfortable and being willing to be really exploratory and experimental until you find the thing that feels good while you're healing that up Um, will help you feel reconnected to your body. And then when it comes to the dating thing, it's really seeking out evidence to the contrary of the belief, I can't be successful dating because of my body. So you really need to be looking for it, you know, like looking for examples of people who have just met, who are dating, who are together, who are of different shapes and sizes. And um, you know, Katie Storino is one of my favorite people. I talk about her a lot. And she did a great podcast not that long ago with Hunter Grady talking about dating at different shapes and sizes. Um and Could I'll have spell to spell her, her
1: last name for me, please? Uh
0: Storino, yeah. S T U R I N O. Katie Storino. Okay. Um she has a podcast called Boob Sweat. It's great. <laughs> I'll check it out. <laughs> and she has some, but we really have to like, you know, with any of these things where it's very possible to have a limiting belief, like where that belief is like, no, my, I can't run because, you know, this is not an example for you because I know you're dealing with plantar fasciitis, but like, I can't run because of my body. I'll, I'll, I'll direct people toward the accounts of many different people who are running at all different sizes, you know, or I can't wear a crop top because I'm size XYZ. Let's find people who are doing that, you know, and um, it just helps to broaden what your mind believes is possible. And ultimately, the most important thing of all is to get you refocused on what's most important, and that's enjoying your life in your body instead of staying in that spiral of my body's not good enough to live life. Right? Mm-hmm,
1: for sure. Yeah. For sure. And, it, and the healthier I am, the more rested I am and the more centered I am, the more I know that's true. It's just as you say, you get tired, you get stressed, you start believing those limiting beliefs.
0: And that's, you know, um, I've talked about this before. It's kind of a funny analogy, but it's like it is easier to accept our bodies and feel positively about our bodies not not easy but easier when we are ticking all of the diet culture health and wellness boxes which is like i'm moving i'm eating a certain way i'm you know it's harder to do that when we're not ticking all of the boxes but the analogy is that like that's like you know loving your children only when they're well behaved you know like (laughs) it's easier to like them when they're well-behaved but we 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 find a way to respect them and care for them and and do what's right for them even in the moments when we're struggling to like them sometimes you know and it's like our relationship with our body is the same there are going to be moments where it feels easier to like your body or to accept or feel neutral or not preoccupied with it and there are going to be moments that feel harder and um you know, it's like it, it it's again, it's developing that muscle or that tool of like, OK, how do I do this again? OK, I've got an injury. So now I've got to renegotiate this relationship again. And how am I going to feel OK about this body that I'm in while I'm struggling to move? And that might look like like I already suggested, finding um, creative new ways to move your body. It could look like doing more passive things like getting the acupuncture or doing the foam rolling or the massage or the physio or whatever it's going to, you know, take to get that plantar fasciitis healed up. Um, it might just look like a new level of acceptance for how your body might shift as this injury is is part of your life, you know. So it's tough. It's tough. But that's like kind of the next iteration or the next step. You know, it's kind of very common um, to find a level of acceptance when our bodies behaving the way we'd like it to um whole other step and this is true also you know i see it a lot in the perimenopausal age women that i work with right because you know maybe they found a way at some point to work with their body and then all of a sudden their body starts behaving erratically and it's like wait a minute i'm doing all the same things and my body shape's changing or it's acting differently or it's you know it's it's harder it's harder in those moments it's harder when there's chronic illness or chronic injury it's harder because there's another added layer. That's it for today. It was such a fun session to record. I hope you got a lot out of it. Just know that we have three more of these coming your way. And then what's coming up for fall is a session on quote unquote, getting back on track. Fall is definitely a season where we begin to feel the need for rhythm and routine and schedule and, you know, quote unquote, cleaning up our act. And so I really want to revisit this idea that I've approached or, or touched on on the podcast before of arcs and natural cycles and, and our nature as human beings and how we can really pursue getting back on track in the right way, in a way that's not going to harm. And I just want to say, listen, in the show notes, I'm going to include a link to get on my newsletter list because in my newsletter. I dive deeper into interesting subjects. I write on a more personal level. I remind you when new podcasts are out and free workshops that are coming up. So if there's one thing I'd love for you to do today is to hop on my newsletter list so that you are always up to date What's happening with what's happening in the food freedom body love world. Um, thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Have an absolutely amazing day.